0: This is channel 253.
1: In this episode of Crossing Division. Again, I'm really optimistic. It's it's a lot of money, but it's it's not crazy. I mean, we just need maybe one less aircraft carrier built right in the federal government. Right. You know what I mean? When you start talking about these numbers, you're like, okay, or maybe we just don't, you know, maybe spend all that money rebuilding our nuclear capabilities, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like some of the priorities we could shift. Um, Right. You don't lose jobs. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, you just reallocate that money to different outcomes. Mm -hmm. Channel 253 is a member supported podcast network. I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I'm asking you to become a member and show your support. Go to Channel 253 dot com slash membership to join. Thank you.
0: Hi, this is Evelyn Lopez. On this episode of Crossing Division, we are going to talk about Pierce County's comprehensive plan to end homelessness. And I am delighted to have uh, two experts on this plan with me today, Garrett Nyland and Delmar Algey. Thank you both for being here. Um, Why don't we start, and I'm not sure which one of you wants to start, start with introducing yourself and um, what your role is with regard to the comprehensive plan.
1: My name is Garrett Nyland. I work for Pierce County Human Services. And my role, I have a temporary position with the county, and I was charged with helping the steering committee um, develop the comprehensive plan to end homelessness. And now after that's been completed, and once it gets adopted, hopefully at the start of March, my role will be to... Um, oversee the implementation of the comprehensive plan.
0: Okay. And Delmar, tell me about your involvement with the plan.
2: Sure. First off, good morning. And thank you, Evelyn and, and Doug, for having us both. Uh, my name is Delmar Algie, as mentioned, and I am the Homeless Services Supervisor at Pierce County uh, Human Services. And so um, our particular team will have the role of the implementation of the plan um, we played a part in kind of designing the plan and really just assisting Garrett in all of the different needs and, and not just Garrett, but the steering committee as well as the homeless coalition to kind of help to develop it.
0: Mm-hmm. So, um, tell me a little bit of the background for the plan. And obviously, we have a significant problem with um, folks who are living outdoors who are unhoused. And I would say, um, You know, up and down the West Coast, I see a lot of that in the cities. So we're not unique in that. But um, tell me about how uh, Pierce County decided to try to approach this problem.
1: I'll jump in on that. So as a county, we have done, and the city of Tacoma and other municipalities have done a good job being responsive to funding and operating homeless programs based on our funding needs. We've done a good job paying attention to best practices, paying attention to, you know, what's really effective, what's cost effective, um, almost on the cutting edge of when uh, an intervention, a way to help someone looks promising, um, really taking a look and changing the way we do things to incorporate it. However, that doesn't get you to the end of homelessness. What that does is does a good job of using public money to, serve people that are experiencing homelessness but we were really only increasing the size of the programs as resources became available. And in Washington State in Pierce County in Tacoma, homelessness is is driven primarily by the lack of housing, right So um, we have such a tight housing market that it really creates this strain. When you look across the country, the communities that have homeless crises, Right? not normal homelessness, but a homeless crisis, have really a, a lack of housing. And so that's exacerbating the problem to the point that our resources are <clears throat> woefully inadequate to meeting the needs. So we still do a good job of serving people. We just don't do a good job of serving all the people. <clears throat> and nobody's tasked with that. Or before this plan, nobody was. So a couple of folks on the homeless coalition, I was one of them, um, were basically saying, well, if no one in the community is going to be responsible to end homelessness, it's going to be us. Mm -hmm. And that was a terrible idea. Um, But it was sort of driven by the sense that we weren't looking at the scope of the need and the services we were providing, looking at the gap, and attempting to get resources to meet that gap. It's not that we weren't as a community aware of that. Just nobody was responsible. Mm-hmm. So when we sold this to the city of Tacoma council, to the county council, they were supportive of it. But Derek Young at the county council said, that's not your job. That's the county's job. And so they basically took it and ran with, it. they put a steering committee together and really um, set this goal of ending homelessness within within Pierce County and being wanting to be held accountable to get there mm-hmm. and wanting to resource the system to get there. And I've now officially forgotten the
0: question. That's all right. You've given me the background. Well, one of the things I think that is um, really important in having this countywide approach is, just as as you've mentioned, what we've seen or what I've observed is that you'll have city by city by city plans And I'll be honest, sometimes the plans are, how can we get these folks out of our city? Um, And so you have this sort of moving population that is drifting and, you know, no one entity that is saying, no, okay, we're going to take a big overview and we're going to put some real policies in place and, and take on some coordinating roles. So it sounds like that's what the county is approaching.
2: You know, Evelyn, um, each and every jurisdiction here in Pierce County, I won't say each and every one, but several jurisdictions have various plans to end homelessness. And the unique thing about this particular, um, comp plan that I like to say is it really kind of gives some guidelines as to, um, really the, what I guess you could say is addressed, whereas the other plans really talk about the how. Mm -hmm. So as, um. Really, Garrett has been all over presenting this particular plan, and sometimes he has brought me along with him and others. And it really digs into the um, the 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 needs as to what it's going to take to really kind of overcome and to really take the next step into really addressing the macro problem of homelessness. Whereas you know, if you even look at some of the other jurisdictional plans, it really kind of gets into some of the details as to how this is going to work. So I think that it's a simultaneous thing. I think that you can't necessarily look at one and not the other. I think that they're really designed to kind of work hand in hand with one another.
0: Okay, that makes sense. Well, let's uh, get, let's uh, start with a little bit of a what then. Um, What is the current state of homelessness in Pierce County in terms of numbers and locations you know where are we seeing folks and and how many are we talking about do we think
1: sure estimating the number of people experiencing homelessness is a art form more than a science right now and we're working on developing better better data systems so that we can become more and more accurate but our current estimate is about 3,300 3, 300 people experiencing homelessness across Pierce County. And those people are mostly located within Tacoma. So most of our homeless services are within Tacoma. And so we end up seeing a lot of people coming into Tacoma when they become homeless. So there's no shelter operating in you know, in Gig Harbor. Mm-hmm. So people experiencing homelessness are going to travel to Tacoma. So the vast majority um, of people are coming from outside areas into Tacoma. So about half of Tacoma's homeless population is from Tacoma and half is from other parts of the county. Okay. And about two thirds of our homelessness is in Tacoma. Okay. There's sizable populations in Puyallup and Lakewood. Yeah. And those are the big areas where people are coming from. It's Puyallup, Lakewood, Parkland, Spanaway. Um, and Tacoma. Tacoma is the largest number of people. Ident- to get that, we ask people lots of questions, including, what was your last permanent zip code? And we also ask, where did you sleep last night? right? And those two data points can get us some inflow and outflow statistics. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you think if there were um, more options, let's say, in some of the areas outside of Tacoma, I mean, let's say Gig Harbor, for example, if there was a shelter option there, uh, would... People, I mean, this is an obvious question. People would choose to stay there rather than come into Tacoma, wouldn't they?
2: You know, that's something that's actually highlighted in the plan is to uh, perhaps expand some of those shelter options into other jurisdictions um, outside of the city of Tacoma. We don't want to necessarily be Tacoma-centric and just really kind of overburden that particular area with all of the different uh, homeless Agencies and shelter options. We want to definitely be able to be intentional to address the needs of the overall county in in areas that um, are really outside of Tacoma. So that's something that you know in in writing the 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 comp plan. I'm sure Garrett and, and the steering committee were were extremely intentional intentional on and uh, really want to address that and and how we kind of move forward.
0: Yeah, I think it. I mean, it, that's it's a little bit. I'm tagging a little bit on kind of this. Um, myth. I think it's a myth, but this sense that people have, especially I would say in Tacoma now, when you're seeing so many more people than you might have seen five years ago, living on the streets and living in tents, and the and the narrative is, well, where did these folks come from? You know, they must they've they've come from somewhere else, and they're coming here because we are, I don't know what you know, providing services or doing something that is attracting people from other locations. And I know there have been some studies that show that actually the folks who are here tend to be from here. You don't tend to travel huge distances to live in a tent somewhere else. But are there, you know, what what about that perception that people are coming from other areas just to be here?
1: Sure. So there's not great research nationwide about this, but there is some. And that basically says if you have an amazing homeless system, you might see single digit percentage increase in people coming into your community and that's because for the most part we tend to go when we're in crisis to places where we have support structures and so if you do see people come from king county and they do right about 10 percent of our homeless population identifies they were last permanently housed in king county they tend to come here because they're from tacoma or they have friends in tacoma and and that's why, like Delmar was saying, like why we why would we want to have shelter in Parkland? Well, not so that we don't have more homeless people in Tacoma. I mean, that's part of it, mm-hmm. but also because people have a social structure there, mm-hmm. and it maybe there's not wealth in their social structure, right? Enough to help, them, right? But we can put the resources there, and then not only is the formal homeless system able to help them, but their social like support structure is also going to be able to help them exit homelessness. I mean, like when you think about. Wealth, right? We, we, we see a lot of disproportionality in African-Americans, Native Americans within the homeless system. And it's not that they don't have a social structure um, like white people do, right? It's, you know, it's, there's no difference. It's just how much wealth there is within that social structure. The typical white household in America has, you know, um, you know for every hundred dollars a white household has in wealth, a black household has one dollar right like like systemically right there's a lot more poverty but mm-hmm. um, but we want to keep people near their social structures yeah and the other thing i was going to say was that we we may see 10% of our homeless population come from king county but when you look at king county There are a lot of people from Pierce County that move there. So we actually, um, we're actually at a trade deficit, if you want to think about it in ugly numeric terms, but more people leave Pierce County to be homeless in King County than we see come from King County to be homeless in Pierce County.
0: Hmm. Do you think that's, is that because of the same sorts of things? Is it because there's something in King County that looks like it's a better system? Or is it, again, the communities and the support systems or that they may have groups of friends or something that, that may make that more attractive?
2: I, I would say that it's a very tailored thing. Uh, we, we can't really speak, especially because that, that percentage is, is so small. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't wanna just speak in general for that whole uh, you know group of people that are, are beyond transient, but transient into other counties. Um, Just because, as Garrett mentioned, you know, lots of research has been done um, to kind of break down different demographics and different types of people that are experiencing homelessness. And so various reasons would um, mean that they would would uh, actually, um, you know, be transient and transport to other areas. And it could be because of their particular network. Um, It could be because of their the resources that are there. Um, Some people do um, hear that myth that there are better resources and, and mm-hmm. better systems in other areas, so therefore they do their very best to make it there. But um, you know, different reasons for different people, and and I I, I just don't want to speak, mm-hmm. you know, in, in 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 kind of blanketed language um, when it's really just not true that everyone everyone has a, their own reason for being where they are.
0: Yeah, that's the truth. Uh, well, so the county then maybe through Derek starting it, says, all right, the county is a logical place for this, you know, comprehensive look and this uh, coordination to start. So how did, how did you get going? What, what was the process of developing this plan?
1: Well, the county council charged human services with putting a group together of basically community stakeholders representatives from the city of Puyallup and Lakewood, from the Puyallup tribe, from the city of Tacoma, from the business community, people with lived experience of homelessness, people in the affordable housing realm, right? So this kind of band of people that understand communities and also understand the importance of working on housing and homelessness, and asked them to put a plan together. There was also a work group charged specifically with developing a shelter plan. And that was a little bit different population. That was mostly people that work in the shelter industry. So, expertise on what's reasonable to, to be creating and how to build mm-hmm. shelter. So, charged them with, you know, basically come up with a plan to get us from where we are now to where we have adequate services for the entire community. And it's using what's called functional zero. So that recognizes that homelessness will probably continue, right? We do, we can't stop systemic racism and we can't stop domestic violence. We can't stop poverty. We can't stop... Um, a lot of you know mental health or some of the disability right that really can drive homelessness but we can react and respond quickly so functional zero says the moment you become homeless there's a appropriate shelter bed available and at the same time there is a program to help you work on your permanent housing exit mm-hmm. so that's basically build a system that has enough of that to handle the inflow because we talk a lot about the size of the homeless population we care an awful lot more in a way about the inflow right we've got to have a system that's able to handle the people that are needing assistance right and slowly hopefully eliminate the the population so we're just working with the inflow Mm
2: -hmm. and just really quickly on on functional zero and you know garrett really really um explained that well um it's 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 really really important to understand how this system needs to work simultaneously in addressing emergency shelter needs and then also giving people um, options and ideas and creative ideas on how to um, really eliminate their homelessness for good. and that means going into some sort of permanent housing. So there you know there are two different large pieces to the puzzle that really have to work um, in sync in order to make sure that that particular tailored individual is uh, hopefully headed into some sort of, um, you know, getting the immediate need needs met, but while getting those immediate needs met, Addressing their overall concern. Mm-hmm.
0: So it sounds like you know if um, if your system is working optimally, what you would have is you have a person who you know optimally maybe is struggling. You know who is thinking, I don't know how I'm going to make my rent this month, or I'm going to be evicted. And that person knows who to get in touch with at at some central core spot to say. I'm struggling, I'm having these problems, I'm facing homelessness, I don't have the resources, you know, I don't have a family member I can go live with or something like that, what options do I have? Is is that, I would assume, that's sort of the place we'd like to end up, is the place where that intervention or that assistance can happen before someone is out on the streets.
1: Oh, yeah. Or not have a crisis at all, right? Yeah. Like, if you want... Like, homeless prevention is this sort of discipline, right, of of trying to, again, stop homelessness from happening. And it's part of the comprehensive plan. They, they have the literature talks about primary homeless prevention, which is really strengthening folks so they never have a housing crisis to start off with, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's the dream. And if we're not, you know, and that's, you know, you end homelessness with preschool programs, right? I mean, that's, you know, a way to think, like, how much we need to support households and families so that they can be stable. But then when a crisis happens and they're going to lose housing, that's secondary homeless prevention. But again, that's the moment where we have a chance before significant trauma of being homelessness has occurred and we want to stabilize the households. Mm -hmm. So we, as a county, are now going to have money allocated to doing some rent assistance, not not in nearly the scope of what we've been doing recently, um, but also some case management. We're introducing some support so that we're able to really um, help folks. Um, and then when we you know when we're not able to stabilize a the household there, that's when we come into Del Mar's system, mm-hmm. which is really they they're now you know in crisis. Homeless prevention isn't really um, possible because they're homeless. And so it's in the homeless crisis response system that Del Mar manages, okay. which is all yeah. those things, shelter system, the other stuff but but certainly and the skills are pretty similar from a social worker point of view. In the homeless prevention versus mm-hmm. the, the homeless
2: crisis response, mm-hmm. so I'm glad that you mentioned that because that's that's just what I was going to say is that those skills are really transferable.
0: So right now, I'm assuming there isn't that structure in place—a uh, um, sort of a central crisis office where someone can come in and say. I'm struggling or I'm facing uh, some severe consequences and what resources can help me? Am, am I right or am I wrong on that?
2: Well, it's a tad siloed right now. Mm. So there are some resources that are out there, but they, they kind of operate um, in their own kind of area. Um, our goal is to one day be able to to make sure that we are, are very um, in sync with one another, because as Garrett just mentioned, these two worlds are so very similar when you're talking about, um, you know, homeless instability, or excuse me, I'm sorry, housing instability, and mm-hmm. then homelessness. Um, I don't want to sit here and say that they are one and the same, because someone that's sleeping on the streets on the sidewalk is certainly different than someone who is couch surfing. But mm-hmm. all in all, we want to be able to acknowledge that one, there is a crisis, and then also be able to address them the same way, or, or in a similar fashion, so that we can, as Garrett mentioned, uh, kind of get to functional zero, get to where we're in a position that everyone that is experiencing some sort of harm, um, some sort of homeless situation, some sort of housing instability um, is is on the right path to getting into stable housing.
0: Okay. So you have uh, this goal to have this, you know, earlier, better intervention system. And then you also have our current situation where we have over 3,000 individuals that we know of are living without any housing. Um, how do you sort of um, build a plan on both fronts that, that can take care of both of those uh, ends of the spectrum?
1: Well, you just walk and chew gum at the same time. Okay. I mean, it's, you know, it's a lot to do and it's actually, it's a ridiculous amount. Right. Because a lot of our adjacent systems like workforce development or mental health system or substance use treatment system or our incarceration system, a lot of these are are not well geared to serving people experiencing homelessness. So not only do we need to create a shelter system for immediate need, not only do we need to um, create more housing in our community, right? Mm -hmm. Again, this is all driven by a lack of housing. Every year in Washington State, basically for the past decade, we've seen a rise in households, and not the same rise in housing units, right? So the problem is worse every year. So, you know, there's so many things we need to do. We need to um, really like have all of our systems um, eventually, you know, working toward the unique goals that each of those systems have. And, And then you start layering in all the different populations we need to serve. Our, our programs for a homeless 17-year-old are going to be very different than our programs that need to serve a homeless 77-year-old or are, are different than an LGBTQ community member or different than, you know, than the, you know, Latino, Latina community. And then you start, then you start adding some of these intersectionalities, right? The LGBTQ Latina, right? Like um, our, so all of these systems and all these populations kind of swirl around. And it just means that poor Delmar, as he manages so much of the funding that goes to our nonprofits and all of our nonprofits have a lot of complex work that they need to do to really help uh, individuals navigate the pathway that's unique to them to exit homelessness. Boy, I forgot the question again.
0: (laughs) That's all right. Well, let me take a break here. And then when we come back, we'll get into the plan. Since we've been sort of talking about Background to the plan. Okay? Sounds good. Hello, I'm Evelyn Lopez, host of the Channel 253 podcast Crossing Division. This episode of Channel 253 is sponsored by Microsoft. Microsoft is proud to support Rainier Scholars. Rainier Scholars believes that all students deserve an equal opportunity to excel academically and become our next community and business leaders. And now they're in the 253. Rainier Scholars Tacoma is a long-term college readiness program for underrepresented students of color in the Tacoma community. They recruit in the fourth grade, start working with students and families the summer before fifth grade, and walk alongside them through college completion with the goal of graduating with minimal debt. Do you know a student who should be part of the first Tacoma cohort? Recruitment is now underway. Microsoft and Rainier Scholars share the desire to cultivate a growth mindset and believe every student deserves the opportunity to achieve more. To find out more about Rainier Scholars in Tacoma, visit RainierScholars.org and click Tacoma. My thanks to Microsoft for their support of Channel 253 and Rainier Scholars. Hi, we're back. So before we get back into the Pierce County Comprehensive Plan to End Homelessness, I'd like to urge you to consider joining Channel 253 as a member. Membership is $4 a month or $40 a year, uh, and it allows us to produce these podcasts where we try to dig into interesting local, social, and political issues, and we would love to have you as a member. Okay, time to talk about the plan. What is the plan? Tell me in broad outlines what it is. You've mentioned functional zero. And then and then talk to me about why this plan is different from prior plans.
1: Well, I'll start off okay. with why it's different than prior plans. Prior plans have – so we have – the continuum of care which is a, a group that helps direct the funding that comes from one of the federal government revenue streams they have a five-year plan to address homelessness the county has a five-year plan to address homelessness city of tacoma is working on a plan to address homelessness and those plans do not lay out well i haven't seen the city of tacoma yet but those plans don't lay out basically the scope of the of the solution needed to meet the need so they talk about improving program performance they talk about increasing the number of permanent supportive housing units by 300 they're all these are all good things right valuable things to be doing in our community but they don't bring us to ending homelessness so the one biggest thing that's different about this plan than other plans is that it almost has a single performance statistic and that is how many people are currently homeless in pierce county And that's what the plan needs to be measured on is how effective we are at closing the gap between the demand and the need. And if demand grows because the drivers of homelessness continue to accelerate, right, it is the plan's responsibility to grow and not to simply have a target of a percentage of outcomes that are positive, which again, really good things. Mm -hmm. But that's the scope of the plan and the goal to close that gap and particularly some action plans around particular populations. There's a, there's a methodology in it called targeted universalism, which um, was something that uh, Courtney Chandler with Associated Ministries brought out as a, a really interesting idea. And we really ran with it. And that is, you have a universal goal, ending homelessness, and your pathways to reaching that goal can be different. And so we need to design around that. And so the plan has looking at populations, how are we doing with the Native American population? How are they performing? How's our, how are our programs performing for them? Um, are they actually entering our programs? Or are they simply not, you know, culturally capable of being an effective, you know, partner for someone as they exit homelessness? And then putting programs together in order to meet our gaps and need, like I think Delmar can talk about um, some of our ideas around um, how we get our money to go into programs that can really help folks when we're not meeting their need. But again, the plan is built around meeting all of this need in the community and constantly monitoring how we are at progressing to closing the gap between what's needed and what's actually available. Mm
0: -hmm. So Delmar, tell me how this works in your reality. What would change in your world if the plan is implemented?
2: So um, when the plan when. is implemented, we certainly want to speak in, in wins rather than if's, um, you know, it'll it'll put a definitely a lot of work on our particular team, the influx of dollars that will come about. And then just the intentionality on kind of where those dollars go and how it's um, being, you know, measured in, in the different performances. And so um, we're doing tons behind the scene to make sure that, Um, We're, you know, living in a world of of equity and making sure that, you know, as Garrett spoke to targeted universalism, we're really identifying where the most need is in the various populations, um, and then how to be very intentional on on how to address them. So we've done um, some really, really cool things behind the scenes, as as I mentioned, or actually I haven't mentioned, we're focusing on what's called the cultural hub, which is soon to come out, and that is, you know, focusing on uh, buy forward or different um, um, minority agencies being able to step up and do the work of homeless services. And the theory behind that is, you know, um, being in the community, you, uh, you have, you may have a business that sees a lot of homeless people, uh, but they don't necessarily have the skills, uh, to, to, to really address it and help those folks the best way that best practices teach us. Uh, so in order to be able to give, where we want to have it to where it's streamlined so that they have the skills to do it, um, You know, and and again, that's a result of that targeted universalism piece is saying, okay, let's make sure that these particular places have the ability to apply for federal dollars, um, state dollars, and and local dollars. And, you know, once they are a recipient of those, have the actual skill set to address the needs of that particular population. So we're doing some really, really cool things around that, and um, that all ties back into the the comp plan.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, What is needed to turn it from an if into a will. What needs to happen to make this plan a reality?
2: I will, I will say on, first off, I just want to address the micro level. Okay. And every time I'm on a platform like this, I, I, I have to do that because I feel as though it's my responsibility in speaking to the community to address the micro level. And the the macro doesn't get turned around until we talk about the micro. And the micro, of course, is, you know, whenever you see someone who is uh, obviously suffering from homelessness, just to kind of change your mindset around and to understand that that is someone's, you know, mother, sister, brother, father, um, and then just to kind of treat them as humans. And so um, in addressing the micro level, that then allows us to um, really kind of take a deep breath and focus on the macro level and just trying to implement the things that will be helpful um, to, to kind of turn this thing around. So on the macro level, first and foremost, the main thing is to you know get the plan adopted and to, to be able to say, we actually have something that's concrete and in writing and um, a guideline or a map or what have you that is going to help us to, to get to functional zero. And so once we get that, then, of course, funding is going to be another another thing we have to identify where those dollars are going to come from. And not just and I I want the public to understand this as well, not just where the dollars come from, but what kind of dollars they are, because in the world of funding. That's a huge thing. Um, You know, we we hear a lot of people that say, oh, you got millions of dollars to, to do this. But, you know, little do they know that those millions of dollars are earmarked to do very specific things. So the flexibility of those dollars is going to be extremely important as well. Um, And of course, it's going to take us all uh, the community and and all of all of this various stakeholders. And when I say various stakeholders, going back into the micro, you as a citizen, you know, we're all stakeholders in this, it's going to take everyone to do their part in order to end homelessness, it's going to take our part as funders to make sure that the funds are distributed to the, the the most professional and best agencies to do the work. It's gonna take those agencies to have accurate and professional folks to, um, you know, adhere to the different standards and move forward in doing the work. It's gonna take us all, you know, it, it's gonna take our, our our county council, our, our various city councils to, in order to really buy into the plan and really buy into this being a, a, a social crisis so that we can um, one day end it all.
0: Mm-hmm. I think, I'll say, I think that's hard for um, political entities to do, you know, to really focus on a long-term plan and not just commit the resources to it, but continue to commit that this is going to be the priority. I think it's, it's, so every year, the political body, be it county, city, or statewide legislative, is faced with more requests. You know, I've got a great idea to do this, or here's another thing that we need to do. And I think it's hard. I think it's going to be very hard for the county to um, commit to a course of action that is going to make this a, a if not the highest priority, but at least from reading the plan. I mean, I think that's what needs to happen. Am I, Am I wrong? Is it less than that? That's what I see.
2: So, you know what, um, it's, it's interesting that you say that really quickly. I know Garrett's probably burning to talk too, um, so I won't hog the airtime. But going back to my point about the micro, it's so interesting to get um, so many different perspectives change from so many important people, you know, oftentimes I would say various times throughout the week I will get an email from a, a county council member that says I was driving down Yakima Avenue and this was this is what I saw um, or you know an elected official that will say um, you know I was standing in line at the Walmart and this is what I saw and once it becomes real to you by one single individual there may be a few you um, that can kind of change your perspective on things or some folks even have family members that say, you know, and then they say I've got a, a sister that's experiencing homelessness mm-hmm. that is living under a bridge somewhere, it, it becomes a it becomes a priority, you know, it, it and then that that then shifts into a macro response, because of someone's tailored micro experience.
1: And to me, it's all about the money. Mm-hmm. All those things are really important. But if we don't bring the money in, nothing nothing matters right. in a way. Like our ability to meet the need is our ability to bring the funds in and for Delmar's team to smartly develop, you know, the right interventions with our nonprofit providers, tech for-profit providers for that matter. But really just the gap is massive, right? So we spend about $40 million a year on homelessness across the county. And we probably need, four times the size Mm -hmm. right so we're not almost there we're not one shelter away Mm -hmm. two shelters away or five shelters away or one more permanent housing intervention or 30 more housing units for veterans away we have massive needs in terms of resources and that's that's not even our capital needs that's not even our affordable housing needs so king county mckenzie group did some really interesting research on how do we close in king county how does king county close the affordable housing gap Right. Let's say 10 years from now. This is what the population growth looks like. This is how we think affordability is going to be changing. These are the units we need. We need to be investing one billion dollars a year for the next decade in order for us to have the kind of affordable housing we need, says the McKinsey Group for King County. So the the scale of dollars is really daunting. And building a homeless crisis response system almost seems doable with a system that's only, you know, 120 million more a year, you know, like, (laughs) which, which is, again, really big numbers and is going to need, you know, it's not a bake sale, it's us going to the federal government and to the state government. It's us dipping into some places we haven't dipped into before. Mm-hmm. You know, Maybe significant more investment from philanthropic. Maybe the business community works. And again, they do this already, right? It's not as if these funding sources aren't being used, but but maybe, maybe with a really coherent plan, a plan that's based in data, a plan that is transparent, a plan we're accountable to how the money's used. Maybe all of us having the same ask so that when we, you know, when we bump into Jake fire, when we bump into Marilyn Strickland, we're all saying the same thing. Hey, how's that extra, you know, $19 million a year for shelter coming, Mm -hmm. you know, Congressman Strickland, like, and if I say that, and if you say that, and if Mayor Woodard says that, and if the mayor of Lakewood says that, and if, and if, you know, her cousin says that, um, maybe we'll be able to really um, get our, community and our struggling neighbors the resources they need mm-hmm. to meet the micro problem, right? Like we we don't solve the individual's problem without the resources. And the resources are in play in good programs now. There's not there's not money to be saved by being more efficient here, right? I mean obviously there's always little bits, right. but not not the scale. Right.
0: So you can squeeze a little bit out of the corners maybe. And that's a maybe. But yeah, to get from from reading the report it's a Said so like 117 million additional dollars a year, continuing. Mm-hmm. So let's round it up. Let's say 120 million. Have uh, has your group identified any pots of money that that might come from over time? I mean, I hear federal government. I think that's very logical. I think state government. That's right. You know, I mean, the state has all the skin in this game. This is a, this is a statewide problem, although more intensive. I would say, near the bigger cities. But, um, you know, are you getting a sense that there's recognition out there that there's going to need to be some influx of serious money?
1: I think we know that there needs to be that influx of serious money. And I think we know where the probable places we want to hit up are. How that plays out, I do not know. Mm -hmm. This is, it's almost, it's almost new Mm -hmm. in a way right, that we're not taking a project and looking for the most probable funder. We're taking a gap in need and asking our funders to step up what they're doing. And, you know, when you're talking to the federal government or even the state, you are, you're not really asking for an earmark for yourself. You're asking for us to do better across all of those places. Because a homeless person in Pierce County doesn't matter more than a homeless person in, you know, Grants County, Mm -hmm. right? Like, Like, I want those resources to be going everywhere. And the fact that we have our, you know, that we have our plan together, I think it's going to help us serve our community better. Um, So I, and, you know, philanthropic is part of the steering committee, you know, part of the group that helped put this plan together. And so they're, they're aware of what the needs are and looking at what maps best to how the members of that community and, you know, Pierce County want to be involved. And so I'm, and again I'm really optimistic it's it's a lot of money but it's it's not crazy I mean we just need maybe one less aircraft carrier built right right in the right. federal government right you know what I mean when you start talking about these numbers you're like okay or maybe we just don't you know maybe spend all that money rebuilding our nuclear capabilities mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. like some mm-hmm. of the priorities we could shift um, right you don't lose jobs right mm-hmm. you know you just reallocate that money to different outcomes.
0: Mm-hmm. So let's imagine the plan is adopted, um, that that it's a go, that the money uh, has been identified and is coming in. How does it change how things look in Pierce County? What do you, if you look out several years after several years of this influx of money? What do you think people would see? Would we see we'd see some homelessness probably, but what what would life be like?
2: Well, going back into the term of being functional zero, mm-hmm. um, functional zero, again, means that every single person who is experiencing homelessness has a bed to go to. Um, and so does that mean that that person is forced to that bed? It does not. But it means that we have, you know, we're talking about inflow and outflow. We want to make sure that we have the appropriate um, design to handle the inflow, um, so that's that's exactly what that means. And then also, um, it means that uh, that that particular person that is experiencing homelessness uh, not just has a bed, but they have the resources to help them get into some sort of permanent housing. Um, right now, our our system is kind of lacking in, in those two areas because of the appropriate funding and things that are um, important that the plan addresses that need to, to kind of be put in place. But, you know, once everything is afloat and everything is adopted and in place, we will be able to um, address those very, very two alarming and concerning needs.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And, and I think a lot of things
1: that are visible around homelessness, I think will, will really be alleviated Right. So the kind of the heartbreak of seeing someone sleeping in a, a door stoop, right? You you'll know there's a, a place that that you know you could ethically recommend, mm-hmm. right? That would be a, an appropriate place for them to be. I think if you go to the emergency room, you're not gonna see people there trying to get a cup of hot chocolate and and sort of, you know really just looking at that as, as a one warm place in Pierce County that'll take you at two in the morning, right? They'll have a place where they can be that they'll want to be, right? But if we're successful with good interventions that meet the needs of the people as we see them, which isn't to say we aren't now, but just enough of those so that what someone needs is, right? So your emergency room stay will be shorter, right? Your your park will be more available. Your cousin, when they're in crisis, right, will, will not have to have, you know, uh, thoroughly knowledgeable advocate to help them navigate the system, but that it's something that, um, that there's enough resources that, you, you know, you don't have to be a resource hound to get at it, right? That it, it'll be much more readily available for them. I think that, that, and we'll see a, a community that's more able to thrive, mm-hmm. right? Some of the things that are, you know, the, the cost that we, we bear because, um, those people aren't productive in society, um, you know, is, is significant.
0: Mm-hmm. So this, Not
1: to mention their quality of life, right? Yeah. So I work with the numbers, but, you know, I visit encampments all the time. I spend a huge amount of time working out of places with shelters, right? All of these people are, and Delmar does this so much better than me, but like, they're all, you know, living human beings that I love to be around because we're all just people and that and helping them have, you know, knowing where to go to the bathroom the amount of mental energy you spend not knowing where to go to the bathroom when i have to go to the bathroom and i'm taking the bus downtown right like it's stressful Mm -hmm. like and i've got a bathroom at home i'm not talking about 24 7 i'm talking about my 30 minute bus trip Mm -hmm. and i had two cups of coffee before i left and i shouldn't have like that stress is 24 7 for someone living on the streets Mm -hmm. and just knowing that we can help alleviate that so they can work on what they want to you know it's exciting Mm -hmm. hope right where we're going to be in five years
0: yeah so this is a this is I think this is a really admirable and exciting long-term plan but it it is going to take time and money. What are some things that people can do now that are helpful, do you think?
2: So, you know, um I kind of figured that this question was going to come and I, you know, I thought pretty deep about it and um again, kind of going back, of course, into the micro and and how you even view folks is is really important. I think that's psychologically probably the most important because if you view a human as a human rather than someone that is either disposable or just made some mistakes in their life and they're there because of those mistakes and, you know, um, you're going to change your mindset. But also just to kind of get into some of the tangible things that you can do, Um, You know, there are existing shelters that are out there and just to kind of help, um, you know, to know what those resources are. There are different outreach teams that are out there and just to kind of be able to reach out to them and and let them know. And there are some professionals that do what are called homeless diversion conversations. And to be able to help um, an individual get into something like that is going to be extremely helpful to them as well. And then, of course, just give them a cup of coffee if mm-hmm. it's cold outside or give them a glass of water if it's hot outside and just treat them like a human being. Those are the things that the community can do right now until, you know, um, waiting for this particular plan to be adopted. Mm-hmm.
1: And I would say doing some kind of larger system, like neighbor type of things. So advocating for a shelter in your community. Your neighbors are becoming homeless Right. If if you think that they don't deserve service in their community, I, I'd like you to walk through that a little bit. So you know, where can my neighborhood serve these folks? I would say looking at ways that we can make housing more affordable in our community. So I live near Proctor, and my neighborhood is freaking out mm-hmm. about the increasing density, mm-hmm. and all I can think about is it's either you. You know, either you build more housing or you have more homelessness. I think there's a real direct tie. And so um, really think about what what are the impacts of a changing community, right? Like Proctor, okay, it's changing, I get it. There's a little more shade because it's a tall building, I get it. But we're also doing our part in our community to create the housing that we need, right? So housing has to increase in density. And um, per, you know, particularly in our in our cities, in Puyallup and Lakewood and Tacoma and Gig Harbor, so I just really encourage us to think through not just how does this affect me, right, but how does not requiring as much parking in the stadium district impact the affordability of that housing mm-hmm. and thus the attractiveness of developers to build housing in our community. So those those ideas of our civic duty to to see, right, the housing needs of our community made available through, you know zoning changes and things like that. Mm -hmm. Those are tough to swallow sometimes that I think have a big impact long-term.
0: Yeah, I think that's helpful because I think there are a lot of people who in the abstract really do want to do something and in the the more immediate uh, aspects of their own home are sort of afraid of change and change is an important part of all of this. Well, what else? So final words, thoughts, anything you want folks to know about or to share? Delmore, how about you? Final thoughts?
2: You know, just going back to what we talked about earlier, I want people to understand that we address that, uh, or excuse me, we acknowledge that um, our system is a system that really, um, you know, our homeless population, I'm sorry, is, is really a, a unique situation that we've got a disproportionate amount of people of color that are experiencing homelessness. I want people to understand that our county is really light years ahead of other places in the in the in the country and really helping to de- acknowledge first and foremost that particular thing and then just help to develop different appropriate interventions along the way um, from people that look like the folks that are experiencing homelessness you know uh, um, a black community where where um, you know the, the 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 black community is actually stepping up or the latinx community is actually stepping up and saying we're seeing our brothers and sisters out there and we're wanting to do something about it. And we're, as a county, trying to put different um, ideas in play so that they can help to address uh, that particular, their particular community. And and it's an exciting time um, to really bring that all together. And again, that's also a part of our comp plan. And that's that's what really helps me to kind of put on my smile every single day and go to work, is that the community is coming together to address the various needs that they see. Mm
0: That sounds good. Garrett, how about you? Final thoughts or
1: tell us what we're doing wrong. So hopefully our contact information will be available. If not, you can always find us at the county. Our goal is to serve the community and we only know about things that aren't going well when you let us know. And we can, you know, we can talk about how our programs are, you know, best practice and this and that when we're when we're missing stuff, when we're not serving people well, when problems are coming up. We we want to, we want to take changes, right? This comprehensive plan isn't a, you know, set it and forget it. It's something where it's an iterative process. And so the more input we have, right? And that's you noticing things in your community, you volunteering at the rescue mission or at Catholic community services or the other 38 nonprofit providers and churches that are, that are doing this work that love volunteers to run a, run a fundraiser for them or to serve soup every week or right. Like, Edit a newsletter, right? That your skills, um, your skills could really connect you with the community and help us to learn what you know and what you are seeing, so that we can build a professional system to be meeting the actual need. So, yeah, keep keep feeding information to us. We we don't have this down perfect. We have a community that we are active and eager to listen to, so that we can better serve.
0: That's great. And yeah, I will put links to the comprehensive plan and to the um, various resources on the show notes. So people, if they're at the website, they can find that. Um, I really appreciate your efforts. I am very hopeful about this plan. I'm very pleased that the county is, uh, take, has been taking this on. And, um, and in the meantime, I think everyone can get involved in their communities and try to make things a little bit better. So thank you. Thank you both.
2: Did you know Channel 253 is member supported? I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I hope you will show your support by going to
1: channel253.com slash membership and join. Thank you. Crossing Division is part of the Channel 253 Podcast Network. Check out our other shows. Nerd Farmer, Interchangeable White Ladies, We Art Tacoma, Move to Tacoma, Taco Man, Flounder's B Team, Citizen Tacoma, What Say You, and Gimme the Mic. This is Channel 253.